Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where OP destroys a Karen's business. Our next Reddit post is from Whispers and Roars. Background. My cousin, a 23-year-old woman, recently opened her own salon. From a young age, she taught herself how to thread and wax eyebrows and developed an interest in makeup and hair. Everyone in our extended family would go to her before events and on a monthly basis for threading, waxing, hair, and makeup needs. In 2020, she had a full-time job that wasn't salon-related, but decided to renovate the basement of her home to create a small salon space. She now spends her free time taking clients in her at-home salon, and she's getting nothing but great reviews. Her sister helped with the renovations and now helps her with marketing the business on social media and community pages, and I help with the finances for budgeting and price setting. We all support her and we're really proud of her. This salon is her baby. We're now in the middle of a pandemic, and this has greatly affected her salon business. As a result, she implemented safety measures and our small team made sure to keep up with COVID regulations in our city. This included having one customer inside at a time, doing temperature checks, making masks and gloves mandatory, wiping down the salon after each client, etc. Also, when our city was in lockdown, the salon was closed because it's not an essential service. The Incident Our city is once again in lockdown from the end of December to the end of January. The salon's been closed since the lockdown began. The salon's social media pages have been updated to let the current clientele know the salon is closed. Now comes the Karen. Karen sees a community post from October detailing a discount that the salon was having on a certain package we offer. She comments on the post saying that she can't believe the salon is open in the middle of a lockdown when her salon has to be closed. This is important for later. Karen fails to notice that the post was made in October when salons were allowed to operate as long as they followed safety regulations. Karen doesn't bother checking more recent posts indicating that the salon was closed. My cousin didn't see Karen's post. The next day, two police officers show up at my cousin's door while she's at a doctor's appointment. The officers ask for my cousin, and my aunt lets them know that she's not at home right now. My aunt doesn't speak English very well and lets the officers know that she would call my cousin and ask her to come home. Maybe the officers didn't believe her, but they insisted on coming inside the home. My aunt had already called my cousin since she was worried. My cousin then asked if they had a warrant for anything. When she found out they didn't, she told her mom not to let them come inside and that she would be there in 20 minutes. My cousin began driving home, and my aunt called her to let her know that the cops simply left. Hearing this, my cousin was less worried and decided to go grocery shopping as planned before heading home. Turns out, the officers came back half an hour later and once again demanded to see my cousin. My aunt called my cousin again and asked her to come home, but in the 20 minutes she took to come home, the officers were gone. They left a card and asked her to call back. My cousin managed to get a hold of the officers and was told that someone had reported her business. They claimed that she was operating during the lockdown and they had proof. My cousin knew this wasn't true as the salon had been closed for quite a while. By now, my cousin had seen the Karen's comment from earlier and mentioned that she knew exactly what their so-called proof was, but that post in question was from October. My cousin was very upset because this post wasn't even close to being actual evidence of her operating now in January. She was also very upset that they insisted on coming inside the house with no cause or warrant when they could clearly see that my aunt doesn't understand the language very well. At the end of the conversation, the police officer apologized to my cousin and we thought that was the end of it. You must be wondering how we know that Karen was the one who called the cops. Well, she told us. The next day, my cousin received a message from that same Karen. Karen decided to pretend that she was a customer. Can I book an appointment? My cousin responded, Hey love, we're currently closed due to the lockdown. Once the lockdown is over, we'll be more than happy to book you in. 
Oh, my girlfriend was there yesterday. My apologies. The salon isn't taking clients until the lockdown is over. Thank you. No problem, but I didn't get the date wrong, lol. I also know the police came due to you being open. Take care. I'm not going to sit here and entertain your boring life. Maybe for a change you can find another hobby rather than spreading lies and wasting people's time, including the police's time. Or even better, find an actual job. Have a good night. I own my own spa that's closed, as should yours be. My mom is the one who called the cops. You're not entertaining me at all. Go back to your own country instead of screwing with ours. My cousin decided to block her at this point. My cousin was just happy that this was all over. Her sister and I were still outraged at the racist comment and how someone could make up lies about a small business that led to the cops terrifying my aunt. When my cousin told me about Karen, the fact that she had her own spa really stood out. I did some digging. The revenge. Turns out, Karen runs her own spa out of her house. Doing some more snooping, I found reviews from our clients on her business page that were posted on days when the city was under lockdown. The reviews could be from clients who received services before the lockdown and only now had a chance to write a review. To be sure, I found Karen's Instagram page. I decided to use her own trick against her. I created a new account with a generic name and followed her page so she couldn't see that I was related to my cousin. I then messaged her to ask about prices for her services. I said, hey, I love your pics. I was wondering how much you charge. Hey girl, thanks so much. What services are you after? I'm really interested in the BB Glow Facial. That's awesome, my biggest seller for sure. Normally it's $125, but it's buy one get one, so you can pay for one session and get two. That's a great deal. When's your next available date? Where are you located? I can't have people come to me in lockdown, but I travel to my clients. Karen wasn't operating out of her own home due to lockdown restrictions, but she was traveling to her clients' homes, which is still against regulations. I then made up a lie about my home not having adequate space, and I asked for her address so we could meet up at my friend's place somewhere between her place and mine. She foolishly told me her address. During this time, I also tried joining other community groups that she was a part of. In one particular group, people in the community were promoting their small businesses. She had recently made a post about discounts on her services for the month of January. I immediately went online and submitted a report about her business still operating, including screenshots, her address, full name, etc. A few days passed by, and I had forgotten to check up on it because I was busy with life. Apparently, this wasn't Karen's first offense. Karen's already been fined $750 for having a client in her home during the first lockdown in my city. After being fined, she decided to change her business model and go to the client's home instead. This time, she was fined $10,000. I was still following her on Instagram, so I decided to check it out. She made a rant about how she was going to do very bad things to the person who reported her. She also mentioned that she was no longer allowed to run her business. I'm not sure what type of ban the regional police put on her, but I immediately deleted the account and exited the groups I joined earlier. At the end of the day, Karen got what she deserved, and I fulfilled my dream of pretending to be Sherlock Holmes. I believe the scientific term for this is playing a reverse Uno card. Our next Reddit post is from Feeling Supersonic. Imagine being in high school, back in the latter days of George Bush, and finally buying that iPod of your dreams. After saving up your allowance and the money you made around the neighborhood doing random work and lifeguarding at the local pool. Yeah, that was me. And I was that douchebag 14-year-old who would make sure you knew I had one of the better iPods, one that could play video. It was the latest Nano if I remember correctly. Simpler times. 
But every story needs an antagonist, and my sister happened to fill that role many times. We're very close now, but back then it wasn't so rosy. She was a teenager as well, and spent most of those years resenting me. If I had something nice, she hated me for having it. I was quite protective of my precious iPod. She put on quite a tantrum when my parents refused to buy her one. Your brother saved his money. We didn't pay for it. We're not stopping you from buying one too if you save your money. That was their attitude towards any luxury that us kids wanted. Even up to that point when buying our first car was on the table. We each had to buy our own. It built character and taught responsibility. Well, my iPod goes missing one day at home when I knew damn well that I left it charging at the family computer. I left it unattended. My parents confirmed they didn't touch it, and all eyes were on my sister. I'll jump ahead here. As it turned out, she had indeed taken it and had one of her friends temporarily store it until the heat was off of her. She knew my parents would essentially strip search her. After her plan unraveled when one of my buddies saw her with the iPod at school several days later, it was time for payback. Back then, I like to think of myself as a bona fide hacker. That's right, I knew all about batch files and how to open command prompt. Don't cross me. You have no idea what I'm capable of. Yeah, anyways, we don't talk about those dark days. But I actually did know enough to copy and paste some destructive commands into scripts, using delete and regdelete commands and the like. In the days of Windows XP, this would essentially require reinstalling the operating system. I was also aware of a program called bat2exe, which could package your batch files into a normal exe file. And you could even give that exe file a custom icon. It doesn't take a genius to devise a plan here. I put a script together with the worst things that I could muster and gave it the Internet Explorer icon. This went to my sister's computer, which was an old Pentium M laptop which barely had enough power to load MySpace at the time. My hacker abilities allowed me to log into the administrator account by booting into safe mode or something and simply replacing the iExplorer exe main file with my science experiment. I believe I had it set up where it actually opened the real Internet Explorer in parallel, so I could deny this more easily. Fast forward to that magical moment. She's home from color guard practice and is ready for an evening full of sucky webcam photos that use every mid-2000s effect ever created. But before she can upload them, disaster. The screen resolution goes tits up and the color profile is 16 colors for some reason. It starts showing random pop-up messages every few seconds. Microsoft Windows has detected a giant grunt. Please consider a system upgrade and stuff like that. Your hard drive is jammed with peanut butter. Restart required. The whole script plays out, and she's left with a paperweight until someone can get around to sorting it. Unfortunately, the computer guy in the family took quite a while to getting around to it. My dad knew damn well that I had something to do with this, even if he didn't fully understand it. He made my sister apologize to me before I helped her with her laptop, and he made her buy me a new iPod case after she threw away the one that I had to make it less identifiable. Our next Reddit post is from Shaftway. So, a friend and I move into this newly renovated apartment in Brooklyn. It's nice enough, but just about every one of the 14 units has some sort of weird problem. One unit had the hot and cold water mixed up. If you flush a toilet a few times, you would get a heated toilet. In one unit, none of the outlets were grounded, and in another unit, there were gaps around the windows. The problem in our unit was a leak in the air conditioner lines. The leak was probably up in the roof, but as a result, we ended up with no air conditioning. We called them, and it took them months to get someone. The guy refilled the lines, and a week later the problem came back. We spent the summer getting the system topped up every week. At the end of the summer, the owner decided that the repairs were getting too expensive, so they sent us bills. Our bill was in the tens of thousands of dollars. 
they also started trying to charge every unit for any infraction. Like, they would charge every unit 100 bucks for a single scrap of paper found in the hall. The tenants all got together and had a little meeting. It turns out, they never had a certificate of occupancy for the building. The city had this building in the books as a furniture warehouse, so collectively we all just stopped paying them. Rents, fines, fees, everything. We retained a lawyer and we just lived there. The company tried to get us out by cutting lighting and other services. We contacted our lawyer, the company would get fined, and we'd get our lights back. They tried to change the main lock, but once we let the locksmith know what was going on, he stopped. They didn't try a second time. The first floor of the building was an off-track bedding parlor. They were particularly nosy and obnoxious, so one resident called the health department over a moldy loaf of bread we found in the basement. One of my best memories was watching a bunch of guys in hazmat suits clear out the bedding parlor so they could run tests. Eventually, the owners try to get the certifications, but to do that, they need to do an inspection with the drywall removed. They tried to do it while we were still living there, and the lawyer fought it for not being in a livable state. Finally, they realized they needed us out. They took us to court to get evictions. The lawyer gets everything pushed back as far as he can, but finally we go to city court. The lawyer points out that they're trying to evict 14 units, but you can't evict more than 10 units at a time. The court ejects the case. I don't think their lawyer got a single word in. So now we get a county court date for an ejection instead of an eviction. Again, the lawyer pushes us back as much as he can, but eventually we go. The court agrees to eject us all, but sees the evidence of lighting and lock tampering. They ask our lawyer what would be a reasonable time frame. The lawyer asks for four months. The judge gives us six. Everyone stays until the last month. At the end of it all, we got to live in a newly renovated apartment in a trendy area of Brooklyn for free for a little over a year. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.